Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 83 of the Gamer Heroes podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Cam Koenig. With me here is my boy, Thomas Egan. How are you doing? Yeah! <laughs> I am doing very well. Good. Glad to hear it. Glad Happy to hear to it. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we kind of get into a whole lot of stuff, uh, you guys should totally check us out on Spotify. Uh, it's pretty cool that we're on Spotify. Yeah, this that's is exciting. It. Just just listen to us on Spotify. That'd be cool. If you've already listened to us somewhere else, listen to us again on Spotify. Just like throw your phone on mute and just let it loop. That's fine. Uh, oh, realness, actually. Yeah. Just like Twitch, I'm pretty sure they have a way of tracking that and don't count it in listens. Oh, well, yeah. uh, maybe don't do that and then just listen to our show twice. Hey. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah I like that. Um, you can also come see us at uh, Planet Comic Con uh, here in Kansas City uh, coming up at the end of this month. I think it's March 29th. Mm-hmm. And uh, our panel is actually when is it i keep forgetting uh friday 29th it okay. is at 4 30 p.m cool cool so uh, uh, so mm-hmm. see us there and stick around for the rest of the weekend uh i think screen heroes is on saturday yeah i know that we have a, a something on saturday uh and another one on sunday by we i mean the heroes podcast network plug 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 yeah uh there's a lot of good stuff at, at planet comic con so uh whether you're there to see our panel or mm-hmm. you just want to say hello and meet up yeah, or even out. really just kind of taking the whole show. Like, I'm I'm pretty excited to go check that out for the first time this year. That should be a pretty cool time. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and uh, finally, uh, real quick thing. Uh, if you guys would totally love, if you guys totally love what you're hearing here uh, and you want to you feel like you just want to kind of contribute to the show in some way, um, feel free to uh, help us out over at the uh, Patreon for the network. That's patreon.com slash heroes podcasts. Um, that would allow us to kind of like, continue our upkeep with the site but also allow us to like come out and see you guys at like different events and stuff or allow us to buy new equipment to like produce better shows and stuff like that so we would definitely really really appreciate that uh but enough asking for your money um (laughs) thomas it's really 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 nice outside right now uh, in kansas city like the winter's finally over so what better way next week i'm sure well i don't think so actually i think it's gone for quote good this time yeah yeah but uh what better way to spend a lovely day like this like sitting inside and talking about video games so uh, what you been playing oh you speak in my language (laughs) uh of course you know apex has been on deck i can always talk about that but Mm -hmm. i'll hold off uh enjoying that is how that's going and uh played some D &D last night Mm -hmm. uh at at the well uh with our friend max plug 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 yeah, uh, that was a good time. I, I haven't played D&D in a while. It was our first session. We merged two starting groups. It seems like they've the other two people we joined mm-hmm. have done more than we have. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to spending more time with that. Uh, I think it was a good first, uh, I always want to say episode because that's how my old tabletop was. Right. It, it comes out an issue, like mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like a comic. So you've got uh, like an issue is a season, I think. Mm-hmm. And a page is like, what is it? It's like a page is a, like a combat. I don't know. It was cool how they did it, but the whole thing is supposed to emulate comic book. I think of it's all of D&D cool. now, it's like a show, yeah. the seasons. We had our <laughs> first episode and, uh, you know, all we need now is the guy from Dragon Ball Z to narrate what happened. God, I want him to narrate damn near everything, to be completely honest. Well, it would be perfect for ours because we went at a snail space, mm-hmm. but we had a good time. Okay, great. So you, it, was it just Dragon Ball Z then? Uh, Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we did have, so we have four people playing. Mm-hmm. We have three beefcakes and a bard. Nice. So yeah, we've got like, I can kind of, t- we, we've got so much persuasion. Like mm-hmm. we have so much charisma and so much strength. 
nothing else. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of fun. I'm excited to see how that goes because you know I just picked mm-hmm. I just picked my character. I wanted somebody with hit points, and I didn't really care about anything else. Right. And uh, of course, when we merged, we definitely weren't planning on you know it wasn't like I was picking my character based on the other crew that I hadn't met yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we've got a really lopsided crew, but I'm excited to see how this goes because you know when you have a good DM. In oh, charge. totally. Like, you couldn't yeah. really do anything, so... Totally. Like, it doesn't really matter what your sort of party makeup is. It's just like, hey, we're just we're just, gonna, just gonna fuck around. We're just gonna have some fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Especially, I'm, I'm really inter- kind of interested to see what kind of uh, bullshit y'all get into with three beefcakes and a bard coming this fall to CBS. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it's funny. We So, basically what happened, mm-hmm. we... The, the whole... Basically, the whole episode. I'm just gonna not correct myself anymore. That's fine. You're you're good. You're the past whole, that point. Yeah, yeah. The whole episode, we went into a cave. Like we saw some goblins go near a cave. We beat them up. One got away. We go into the cave, found some wolves chained up, and spent like an hour mm-hmm. figuring out what to do. Like a real wolves. life hour. Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, but it was fine actually. Um, but we spent like an hour figuring out what to do. Well, the bar ended up like getting them on our side mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Well, we hit, you know, we found a trap. We did you know, some cool basic, you know, dungeon stuff. Mm-hmm. And we go into the next room and we see some enemies. We're getting ready to fight. And, you know, basically all we do is like run in there. We don't really attack. Well, the wolves come up and they're like, all right, let's go. And, oh, oh my God. They just <laughs> destroyed. They killed all the goblins. Like, mm-hmm. I think there was one that was barely alive. And, it was just like, Gemini Christmas. Like, these wolves came in here and just, I mean, there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, this took such a dramatic turn. Like, I'm so glad we didn't fight these wolves. Because, like, <laughs> I felt like it would have been a party wipe with how good he was rolling. But that was just a funny way to see things go. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, to have such a big payoff for the whole hour we spent on, like, right. are we going right. to pet them? Are we going to kill them? What mm-hmm. are we going to do? And they just, we just unleashed them. And it was, it's like the fucking Red Wedding in there. It's just like, <laughs> this is a bloodbath. Uh, anyway, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. It was cool playing with new people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a whole thing, you know. Part of it is the game, but really, you got to get to know the people at the table. Absolutely. Your DM. You got to figure out what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a cool thing. So yeah. uh, I'm excited for that. But like I I told you, it's kind of hard to go out on Sunday nights. Yeah, it it is a little bit. Um, I I definitely have tried to go out to that particular event run by our friend Max. Mm-hmm. and he like it, it's always a really great time i don't ever regret going for sure but like you know like the end of the weekend like i'm just kind of like i just want to relax and then just kind of wait for the impending doom of the work day that is monday you know mm-hmm. and it, it's it's really hard for me to want to go out and just be like you know it's gonna have a really good time you know and it it makes it feel like it it kind of makes it feel like all right well like almost like an end of the week thing but mm-hmm. with the huge negative of the fact that oh well i have to put on home early and like actually go do something for all day you know yeah uh yeah i did uh besides that i uh got some help putting together my computer nice my pc which i'm excited about um got a friend jeremy out there to help me uh it was cool he did we we definitely are not finished but he helped me with the most important like heavy lifting stuff Mm -hmm. of uh, basically figuring out what is possible mm-hmm. in my uh, PC and like w- with the build so that I'm not getting most of the way through it and realizing, oh, I have to start all the way over because this has to go in a certain way. Right. Um, so that was fun. So we just hung out, listened to music, and moseyed our way through that. 
Um, so yeah, we didn't get as far as I wanted. Well, as I think I just wanted, but I had a really good time just kicking it and, and kind of relaxing. So that, that was honestly a good Sunday nice. event. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so did that the, uh, the last thing. So this is kind of D and D style is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so my girlfriend and I have been looking for a long time to try to fa- play something, trying to find something to play together. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty discouraging because, I mean, we we have, have suggested just a ton of games. Mm-hmm. And we could not land on a game that we both wanted to play. Uh, the closest we got was like Guacamelee. But I'm, I just kind of feel this way about games. Like, even if I liked a game, if I've set it down for like over a year... I just don't want to go back to it. That's like, kind of my thing too. I, I know I should finish Bloodborne. I loved all of I played of Bloodborne, but I like set it down after I beat like the first area. I was mm-hmm. like feeling really damn good about myself, and I just have not picked it back up since. Yeah, because if if I didn't have to like learn moves again and mm-hmm. stuff, not that Guacamelee was just so complex I couldn't right, learn it again. Right. But uh, you know, if I if I want to play those games, I, I want to just like play through it Mm -hmm. i i don't want to set it down for literally a whole year and then come back and have to figure out like okay what where were we again um so you know that's a good game but i i just don't know how much i want to either start over or start where we were but uh everything else like she'll want to play minecraft or no man's sky which Mm -hmm. are games if she had asked me that like if she had asked me to play minecraft like five years ago i would have been totally on board but that ship has sailed for me Mm -hmm. Uh, and then No Man's Sky, I mean, I've had so many bad experiences with that that I have no interest in ever picking that game up again. Uh, just things where I felt totally cheated by the game. Right. Um, that I would I would die and lose an hour of progress, and it seemed like it, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, glitching through the floor and instantly getting killed by a storm that I was trying to run away from. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it was getting pretty discouraging not being able to find any game. I mean, any game that we could play together. Uh, but I uh, found Diablo 3 again. Which, nice, uh, nice. I That's had, good choice. Yeah, it's fun. And I had gotten the taste. Uh, I, I'd given her a taste of it at one of the LAN parties that I had a while back mm-hmm. or that I went to. And I took that to. And uh, she played with, with my friend's wife. And um, we sat down and just played for a little while. We were ca- real casual about it, but that's a really casual game. It's easy. You... Like there's not a big challenge, so it doesn't matter like your what your spells are and stuff. And that game does a really good job of allowing you to play pretty much however you want. Totally. So like even as my paladin, I still have a bunch of ranged abilities, right? Mm-hmm. I can throw my shield, or I can use a shield dash where I can go all the way across the screen to get to an enemy quickly. Uh, you know, or I can use of course all my close range melee weapon or melee attacks. But uh, every character is like that, like. Even the necromancer who she's playing, that's mm-hmm. the only other character I've really leveled up uh, when I played with my buddy. Same thing. You have a bunch of close-range stuff or long-range stuff, and, and there's so many ways you can mix and match, and it makes it so you don't have to plan around each other. So, like, if I'm playing all close-range, she doesn't have to play ranged to mm-hmm. be able to do good, right? to do well, right? So, uh, yeah, it's a really great co-op game. People have told me that for ages, um, it just took me a long time to get, you know, jump on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we played that uh, for a whole, whole bunch, a ton of Saturday, and then again on Sunday morning. And that was cool because, uh, you know, I love playing Apex, but I always put my headphones on, which means it's silent in the mm-hmm. room. Um, 
And fortunately, like, I don't get mad at that game. Like, I used to get mad at Overwatch. Like, it, even in my worst game, I don't get anywhere near as upset mm-hmm. as I used to with Overwatch. I, I can still get frustrated with my teammates and stuff, but... Well, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just really love the grind of that game. So it's not even as much about winning in that as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of fun in that, but Lizzie does not have fun watching me silently Just in play a completely Apex silent room yeah. in in her living room right you know right uh so so that was that was a lot of fun that we were able to find that and you know i i played apex before she got up and she got up and she's like oh can we play diablo and i'm like oh you really want to play it she's like yeah i don't want to watch you play apex anymore and i'm just like okay that's fair that's fair yeah i actually uh I, I played through the only time i've actually played diablo 3 or really any diablo game uh, was uh, I picked up Diablo 3 on the PS3, but this was like pre-Reaper of Souls, so it's like just the base version. Mm-hmm. And I played it all the way through by myself, and I'm like, eh, you know. But like looking back, I'm like, no, I actually like had a lot of fun with that game. I liked that it, kind of like loop grind. It seems like a but perfectly fine single-player game. Yeah, it. I, I definitely think I would really enjoy that a lot more on, like just like for sure on a console, but definitely like way more of like a couch co-op kind of a thing. Um, I know I showed that to my girlfriend. They're just like, hey, we want to play this if I buy this. And like, it just like was just too much all happening at once because like the trailer is all super flashy showing mm-hmm. off like, oh, well, these cool, powerful Ooh, spells you can laser. throw. At right. Or like this, like, oh, well, then you had like just these giant fucking numbers flying everywhere. And she's like, this is just a little too much. And I'm like, you know, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. Um, and I'm like all about that flashy bullshit. But like, dude, that, the trailer for it is just very like. It is just an assault on the senses, and it. I know that game is a lot more toned down until you get into I, like the end game. I mean, for the I most don't even part, know if I agree with that. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, the Necromancer is the only character I spent a lot of time with, besides my paladin. Now mm-hmm. we're like level twenty-five ish now, I think, uh, which is about where my Necromancer was when I was playing with my buddy on his Switch. So. Uh, when I played as Necromancer, he was playing as Witch Doctor because he had never. That was the only class he had never played before, mm-hmm. and I hadn't played anything. And I used to play Necro in Diablo Two, so I played that. Uh, I think I had a bunch of summons for like a, a little bit. I had my skeletons run around, but unlike the previous game, you just constantly spawn skeletons, so you pretty much always have like six of them. That is a lot yeah. of skeletons, and I think maybe like. Obviously, my experience with that game, because I played, you know, single player on like pre Reaper of Souls, so I don't know if they've added a whole lot of stuff in, but I also played the Monk, which mm-hmm. is probably the least flashy of the classes, because it's just, hey, just punch this dude a whole lot. Yeah. All right, he's dead. Move on to the next dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it's like a very simple thing. And there's like some flashy, like, spells and cool stuff you can do, but definitely not as flashy as like just rising six fucking skeletons from the dead or something. Well, the, the issue, it's not, it's not that that's so flashy. It's mm-hmm. just that. Now you have six skeletons on screen, plus all the enemies, plus at least two of you, if you're playing two-player. Right. Um, plus any other summons you have. So you can also summon mages. You can summon a golem. Uh, you can do a bunch of other stuff that, like that. That seems like a lot. <laughs> it's, it's so much. And so like when my buddy was playing the witch doctor, he can also summon three things that follow him around. Oh my God. And uh, it's just so much. Mm-hmm. So it, when you're playing with more than one person, like after she switched spells so got rid of her skeletons after a while it was just like oh my gosh i can see the screen again <laughs> because there are always so many things on screen that you had trouble figuring out which who are the enemies because mm-hmm. there's just bad dudes everywhere right 
anyway, it, it, it was pretty overwhelming. Um, so it was nicer when she was able to switch off of that stuff. How is um, the, uh, like the, the quality of that port? Like, how does it run with kind of all that shit going on? Cause I know the switch isn't the most powerful thing in the world. Uh, it, it Definitely didn't notice any issues on the really? Switch or That's the awesome. PS4. So we're playing on the PS4 right gotcha. now. Gotcha. Okay. Did I play you were on the Switch. Switch. Okay. Uh, so yeah, played the Switch on the first time, and then PS4 now. Even though I own it on Switch, I just still haven't bought an SD card because I forgot to when you sent me that great link. Oh, yeah. I'm sure SD cards go on sale like every other day, pretty much. So. Well, one of these every other days, I'm gonna find <laughs> one. Uh, but yeah, I definitely don't notice any issue with it. Mm-hmm. I thought until yesterday morning that the switch um had a benefit over the ps4 where you could um to get into the nitty-gritty you know you've got like your primary secondary and then a bunch of other spells they Mm -hmm. all have like different names depending on what your class is Mm -hmm. but uh you can only map one type like you can only have one primary equipped at any time Mm -hmm. and i remember when i was playing as my necromancer on the switch I could actually have one primary here and then I could have another primary on another button at the same time. And so I thought that, like, I figured, I was like, oh, that must have just been a thing that the Switch had because they want you to be able to remap and stuff. Mm -hmm. I realized once you hit, like, 25 or whatever and you unlock your last slot, then it opens up. Then it allows you to have as many primaries as you want and stuff. So I had thought that that was a benefit that only the Switch had. Mm -hmm. Turns out that's on on everything just once you hit uh a, you know a, a level that's not you know it doesn't tell you that you're gonna unlock that it just does it mm-hmm. but uh yeah i mean i have no gripes with the game just that it's very busy but that's a game play like that's a design issue right not uh any hardware I, or... I think that's kind of intentional too just kind of like considering the nature of like like just like the concept of loot games you want that kind of like super satisfying like feedback loop where you're like occasionally getting some stuff and like all of those like it's just really satisfying just seeing like a bunch of like your dudes on screen just fucking this dude up you know like it, it's, it's all kind of designed to just feel it's good, it's really baller you know? when uh so she got the ability to just let you straight up raise whatever you just killed oh rad yeah so that's rad as hell if you kill something really cool she just summons it to buy, fight for you for a little while and it's really cool looking, but it's very confusing because you can't tell who's the enemy. Oh, you, I mean, you can. There's there are color differences, but when you're in certain areas, that can be harder to discern. Uh, but you know, the, the biggest thing, this like the speed in this game is totally different than Diablo Two. Mm-hmm. Of course, you want to chain kills together, so you want to draw out the fight as long as you can to find another pack of enemies to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. And the more enemies you kill, without a big gap between the kills. Uh, the bigger bonus you get, and the bonus is absolutely humongous. But uh, that definitely seems like a reason why they do the stuff like, we're going to give you six skeletons. Mm-hmm. So they keep fighting over here, and you run off and, you know, pull some right. yeah. other enemies over here. Uh, but yeah, had a lot of fun with that. Uh, looking forward to playing it again, and definitely highly recommend it to anybody looking for, like, a co-op game to play. It's very accessible. Lizzie never wants to play games on hard, mm-hmm. understandably. Because, like, she is still warming up to a lot of game mechanics and controls Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Um, And, you know, she does well for herself, but she doesn't go to those games. She doesn't go to really any games for the challenge. She goes for story and, uh, you know, graphics and all that good stuff. And, you know, like Horizon Zero Dawn Mm -hmm. is her favorite game. And it's no mystery why. You know, there's so many good things going on. But she doesn't go to that game to see how perfectly she can shoot, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, so 
when we were doing so well that she was willing to bump it up to hard and we still did really well. Like the difficulty is now as high as we can possibly set it. Mm-hmm. And it still feels good. Like now we feel like we actually have to fight for realsies. Uh, but it's not overwhelming. It's definitely not not fun, which was, of course, the worry when you bump up difficulty with someone who yeah, doesn't like difficult absolutely. games. Yep. Um, so I would still say I kind of wish that we could make it even harder, especially like if I was playing by myself, I would definitely want it to be pretty much as hard as it could be mm-hmm. where I still felt like I could beat it. Um, so I wish I wish it could be a little harder. I have to unlock stuff to get to the end game to then unlock the other difficulties, but um, it's nice that it's accessible enough that we can bump it up like this. Like, it feels good to together be able to really take on yeah that this thing when you amp it up. That, that sounds super, super satisfying. I think you probably just maybe have sold me on Diablo 3 on Switch again. Hey, so. up to four players, double date, baby. Uh, okay, maybe. Well, you did just say that, that it was overwhelming, which is... 100% the truth. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I have been, uh, I've been playing, that was a weird emphasis earlier, uh, I've been playing Ape Out some more. Yeah. Uh, that game's fucking cool, and I think that's how I opened <laughs> with this last time, but that game's fucking cool. All right, what level are you on now? Four? Uh, so I finished, I, I have not had really any time this week to play a lot of video games, which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. um, but I did put a few more hours into Ape Out. And I finished, like, the first... So it's, like, split up, I think, just from judging, like, the, like, quote, chapter select screen or whatever that happens after you beat the first area. It's, like, split up into different, like, albums. And they look all, like... They look like records and have, like, this cool art style. And they're all called something and everything's themed differently. I finished the first one and I'm, like, I think maybe in the second track or second... Whatever they want to call it of the second one and it is just every time i feel like i am just like used to this game and how like oh this looks neat but like i'm kind of over it or oh this is a neat like effect with like the sound or i'm kind of over it or like here's like this cool mechanic or like these enemies are getting boring like it just immediately like right after i start to feel a little tired they just kind of throw something new in there that's really cool Mm -hmm. like uh For instance, like, at the end of the first one, at the end of the first, quote, album, uh, you're just fighting, like, these soldiers in this, like, just pretty, like, flat plane, uh, just kind of, like, quote, like, laboratory thing, something like that. And as you're, like, going through, and, like, all the enemies are the same, it introduces, like, an alarm that sets off, which things get wild. The lights will go out, so you only see their flashlights, so you Mm. have to, like, use your color, like, of your, like, your, quote, color-shaped thing Uh, that your character is and then just do a like you have to figure out basically based on like the path of the lights where they are and if they can't see you then they can't see you some classic uh yeah it's it looks really scrub hiding from right uh, and it looks really cool with like that art style and the music gets a little quieter whenever you're sneaking around and it's still that like drum jazz yeah pretty much the entire thing is just like that and i think there's like a few horn hits like a little like horn kicks whenever like things are really popping off and you're doing like things. an air horn like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> no they actually kind of sound like uh like monkey screams which oh, is kind of cool that's spooky it's cool um but like once you like finish that in this like kind of like tight area then the second area is this more open area but you're also in a skyscraper and like the first dude you just like throw him at the edge and he just like flies out the window and you see him just hit the ground because you just launched him out of a high rise 
Heck. And then you're like working your way to the bottom of that high rise, which is really cool. Um, but it like really opens up and there's like less room for you to hide around corridors. You have to like really like, like you can like, like approach it where you like grab the person, like use their gun to take out like another guard and then like, just like throw that person and just try to like haul ass over to the little cover that there is. So it, it definitely opens up in a way that like really makes you kind of understand and uh, really get good at playing as that gorilla, which is kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm definitely really enjoying it. I'm really hoping that I can, I know it's not very long. Uh, so I'm really hoping that I can finish that this week and kind of give some final thoughts on that, but I'm, it's, they're is pretty there positive thoughts so far. mode on that? I don't even know if there ever was a hotline. So I know, I don't know if there's actually a difficulty mode. I know that there is like something called the arcade that I haven't messed with. I'm just going to go through all the levels first and then go back. Um, I think there is like a higher difficulty. Once you finish an area, you can go back and play in a higher difficulty. Which uh, I haven't, that's I haven't really a very devolver with. thing. Right. In, yeah. in Mother Russia Bleeds, mm-hmm. uh, you could unlock an arena mm-hmm. that w- that had all the enemies and items from a particular stage. Uh, and and you definitely wouldn't want to go back to those until you'd beaten the game and gotten good at it mm-hmm. uh, because, because that was very difficult. But yeah, it gave you the option to to go back and, uh, and, and just have like a different, basically an arcade mode of it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've been thinking about this reminds me. So um, I've been thinking about difficulty in games just since we started talking, right? Mm-hmm. And something I've always liked is in the old Star Fox 64 game, you never chose difficulty. You played the level. Did you play Star Fox 64? I did not. Okay. So you you start in Corneria mm-hmm. and you fly through the city and there's some rings that you can fly through um, and... I think the way you unlock the first like hard mode thing is I think that you have to do the barrel roll. There are these like archways in the water mm-hmm. and you go through them and like a ring appears. And if you get three rings, I think you get a bomb or something. Okay. So it's uh, like, maybe a, it like the hard, the hard, the quote, like hard route through that. Cause I'm, I'm yes. it's just, you have to like figure out this like cool secret thing. Yeah. So do. you go, okay. go there. And then when you go through the last ring, if you do uh, not a barrel roll, but a somersault mm-hmm. if you you know big do a big loop-de-loop and come through the hole again that same one you just went through mm-hmm. then i think that that's how it unlocks that hard route and so a different brand new boss will come out and you'll go a different way and you'll it's fight this cool. different boss and if you beat him uh you go to a different level altogether mm-hmm. totally different level uh and basically the game has essentially three routes you can there's the easy one the medium one, the hard one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you want to stay on the hard one, you have to continually do the hard thing. Oh, so if you like fail at any point, it just kicks you back to the normal one? It kicks you back down one level. Oh, okay. So cool. if you're on the hard one, it'll bump you to the middle. If you, I assume if you mess that one up, it bumps you to the easy one. That's kind of neat. But I can't remember enough about the middle track. Honestly, it's just been such a long time. Right. But like there's one uh, level that has. A, you're a tank you're not actually flying you're in one of the you're in the landmaster landmaster and you're following this train and i can't remember i, I think you're trying to save the train yeah because i think the bad guy's trying to blow it up i can't remember but there are these uh basically they look like flags for your mailbox mm-hmm. that you shoot there are a bunch of them in the level and if you shoot every single one and it can be pretty tough you unlock the hard route and you go to a new place and the thing is like when that game sends you on a harder route, you know it. Like, it's cool. Like, I remember the first time I saw the underwater level, like, mm-hmm. I, I had only ever seen the easy route in that game, and I was a kid, so I, 
I didn't know much about anything, right? Right. But I remember seeing that underwater level, and I felt like I had discovered something. Like, it felt so cool feeling like I not only discovered it, but I was good enough to have this extra challenge, you know? Where the game just, it knew, you know, in my head, I'm like, it knows that I'm good, and now I get to, you know, show it what's up. Mm -hmm. But uh, really enjoyed that, and I really liked that idea of, here's the same game, like, you know, let's say somebody gives you and I the same game. Mm-hmm. We can play that same exact game and the game will decide for us based on our gameplay how to amp up uh, the gameplay. And there are games that do that already, but I like the uh, branching path nature instead of just being like, okay, well, you're doing very well. We're going to increase every enemy's health by 1.25, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than that, I like the idea of like, oh, you, you're fundamentally going about this in a different way we're going to send you a new challenge. We're going to send you a new level. In World of Warcraft, you could do the hard modes where you you and I would fight the same exact boss, except, you know, where I would do it just the normal way and you just get the boss down and you get the loot. You would do it in a way that, um, you know, it's not like you checked a box that was like, all right, give me the hard mode one. You did the same exact fight as me. You just did it in a way that was much, much, much more challenging. And if you are able to beat it that way, the game recognizes it. And so, like, I'm making this up, but let's say we're fighting a boss that puts fire on the ground, right? That's, mm-hmm. like, the go-to MMO thing. Don't yeah. stand in the fire. Yeah. Well, the hard mode would be beat this boss, but your whole raid has to spend at least 25 seconds in the fire. Oh. Or something like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, it, w- it would be like, hey, this is a big extra challenge. Like, the hard modes in WoW were all, well, in my low <laughs> scrub tier mm-hmm. raiding experience... Um, they were humongous challenges. Like you had to be so coordinated. You had to be very well geared. Like that was stuff you worked up to. And it really felt like you were unlocking something because you were starting the fight the same way. I mean, it's the same fight. Like I said, it's not like you check a box where you're like, all right, I want to do the hard mode, which now you can, you can do mythic. Mm -hmm. Um, But I assume the hard mode still exists. I'm not sure. I can only speak to the old uh, Wrath of the Lich King stuff. But uh, I just loved that idea that, you're going, you know, it's like in Mario, you can either run to the end or you can just find, yeah. you can try out all the or pipes. Or like jump past like the flags or whatever to mm-hmm. like find some extra stuff hidden at the end. There. Yeah, it feels so rewarding. It's really cool. Just like kind of finding that own, just neat little stuff on your own is super yeah. satisfying. Like Because it feels, it's a sense of discovery mm-hmm. and accomplishment. Like it's not just like, oh, look at this hidden secret. It's like, oh, there's a hidden secret back here. And now I get to choose which world I want to go to. And they're all different. Mm-hmm. And if you've played for a while, you can pick your favorite and stuff. And like, yeah, here's the fastest one to win. But if you want extra underwater levels, you can take this one. If you want more of those like in the air on those platforms levels, you know, I just, I really love that branching path mm-hmm. mentality to it. So I will say, I have not finished it yet. I don't think Ape Out does anything like that. Most uh, games. Don't. Yeah, right. Um, but I mean it still feels cool to just be a gorilla and just throw somebody against a wall and then their arms well, literally just you should explode check, off their body. You should so. check the achievements on that. Cause I, I usually, I typically only check like trophies and stuff after I finish the game, just cause I'm well, kind of worried about spoilers. Perfect. But I mean, even like it's, it's, it's ape out. Like, so I'm assuming the gorilla gets out at the end. But I don't know <laughs> for sure. It didn't, what if it did not uh-huh. get out? Well, the time to bust some more in, skulls. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the ape, ape and out yeah and then uh ape out for uh gorilla warfare Ugh. anyway uh, uh, um, no so, sorry I, I cut you off like five times that's there. okay 
the the reason I think of that with Ape Out is in um, in Mother Russia Bleeds, mm-hmm. I beat the whole game, and then you go back and you can see the achievements. It's like, oh, go through the sewers without hitting a single one of the giant oh, yeah. pigs that is constantly attacking you. Mm-hmm. You know, because like the pigs will attack anything, and if there's a body on the ground, they'll eat it which is crazy. Oh, all but right. You can use that as a mechanic. I mean, normally you just beat them all up because mm-hmm. they'll try to kill you. But uh, if, you know, the hard mode for that, the achievement, of course, it's just an achievement, but mm-hmm. it's an extra... It's like an extra little thing to try. Yeah, and it's in the game. Like, it, it's just another example of something, like, and a lot of achievements are like this. It's just in the base level, you're just choosing to make it difficult by doing certain criteria. Like, for example, it's the difference between turning on a skull in Halo mm-hmm. And simply by your own choice saying, okay, I will only use a shotgun right. this game. And so, the, something like it that. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, where you have that achievement where you're only allowed to fire one bullet the entire game. Oh. Did you ever do that? No. Actually, I've never played Half-Life 2. Okay. So in Half-Life 2 Episode 1, uh, there was an achievement, <laughs> as I have just stated. Extreme. Uh, you get a gun at the very beginning of the game, and you fire one bullet at a... Uh, there's a like a locked door, and the game will not let you pass unless you break that lock with your gun. And after that, it's just like, all right, cool, no more bullets. Um, it's not, like, enforced. You can still just, like, pull out your SMG and just, like, shoot somebody if you want to. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the only things that it allows are, like, in order that are, like, quote, good or like that actually work for that achievement are you can use your crowbar you can use grenades rockets and the gravity gun and that's kind of it um it was a and i played through that the my first time playing through episode one it was just a really kind of neat experience and like approaching that game differently was very cool mm-hmm. um it was definitely made things way harder because there were certain points where i'm just like i have like one rocket and there's like five dudes and i have like full ammo for everything else i have but i'm not gonna do this because i'm like committed to doing this and like sure enough it took me like two hours but yeah it it was a really cool super rewarding experience yeah it it's a fun way to get you to revisit right something especially if you beat it all the way through and then you go look at it like you Mm -hmm. said uh it's just a great way to revisit it that's not just like okay what what's the Mm -hmm. you know let's bump up the shields of all the enemies right you know it's more than that it's it's hey so you Mm -hmm. you see you already saw the story right okay oh yeah Mm -hmm. now now we're gonna really break this thing and i think we're gonna uh, do this the bioshock games also did that pretty well too at least the first two it was a little bit different in infinite but uh in the first game whenever i played it i went into it just like my first time playing through it excuse me uh was for the brass balls achievement, which is, uh, you base it's hard mode, but like the respawn points are off. So you basically oh. have to save your game and that's where you are. And if you die, you just get kicked back to the start screen and you just have to reload your save. Yes. Yeah. It really, like if I like saved a little bit too late or if I saved like right before like a big daddy fight and yep. I had almost no ammunition, I, I spent like maybe three hours like throwing myself at the first big daddy that you see in that game. And it once I finally got him, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's but like the dark man, souls. Man, it took me a while. Yeah. Right. It was a really kind of cool thing. And I'm really happy that I played that game the first time like that. It really kind of, it added to how much I already liked that game while I was playing it, which was really cool um you know i remember mm-hmm. uh this is this is a bad experience yeah but i remember in mass effect 2 when i bumped the difficulty up to insane or whatever the highest thing is uh yeah it was insane it that sounds like it. that game on hard like there were a few parts of that game where it was 
excruciating. Mm-hmm. Like some parts were like, oh man, this is pretty sweet. Like this is very, this is difficult, but I can do this. And then there were a couple parts. I even when I was watching Giant Bomb play through it recently, mm-hmm. right? Vinny made a comment. He's like, you know, I think I remember playing this part a lot when uh, when I put it on insanity mode, and I was like. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like I remember seeing a lot of this area. There was a, a spot in that game where you're uh, on the ship. I mean, I don't know. That's most I don't, of the I, game. I don't say spoilers, but <laughs> yeah, when you're when you're on like the enemy ship, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you get ambushed or whatever, um, they they bring in the Protheans. I assume they're called because that sounds like a thing that they would name them. No, no, no. Wait, the Protheans were the. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm yeah. not trying to get in the weeds here. Right. They bring in their uh, big mech alien bug looking thing that kind of flies around it starts with the p it's like it's the reapers right no the reapers it, are the big bad the, they're the big bad things. so it's it's the collectors uh oh like right artillery kind yeah, of yeah those things it's like a helicopter looking thing uh anyway they're oh, crazy the and very difficult so you, you go to this one spot where i think you fight two of them it doesn't really matter but I, my save it was it was the only save that was remotely close mm-hmm. to where i was i mean my last save was like hours ago because i had just forgotten save I go in this, I have no ammo. I, I mean, I barely have enough ammo to kill this thing. And there's very limited ammo. Like at a certain point, there's just not anymore, right? And uh, that that's probably the angriest I've ever been at a game. Mm-hmm. Like where I was just like, this is Even actually- above Overwatch? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So as much as I talk about being mad at Overwatch, like I've gotten mad before, but that, that one part in Mass Effect 2 is the only time I've ever- wanted to throw my controller like actually like i i what i did is i picked up an empty backpack and i just beat the shit out of it i just smashed it against the ground joke is on me though because i didn't realize my empty case was in the nice. game so nice that's what i get for acting like a child you know but anyway uh that was an example of me kicking my own ass being like oh yeah let's make it hard this will be a fun challenge and for the most part it was but Boy, mm-hmm. now I dug my own grave there, you know. You sure did. Sure did. Because that is absolutely no cakewalk. Yeah, and what am I, how am I going to ask somebody for sympathy? <laughs> right. They're yeah. like, wait, They're so like, you mean we'll you just, can turn the turn difficulty down. down at any time? Just, you're doing this to yourself. I'm like, yeah, but the Please stop, we care about you. <laughs> right, and that's when I shove him out the door and lock it. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, please don't, please don't do what I did, because boy, that was, uh, that mm-hmm. was rough. Had a good time. Hey, that's well, great. Other than that, yeah, but you know. uh, whew, that was sort of tough times. Yeah, yeah. Um, real quick here, I don't. I'm not going to get too much into it, but I've also been uh, watching my girlfriend play Red Dead Redemption Two. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I have not played that, um, but I did. I have like checked out like all of all of the plot points that were covered in uh, Giant Bomb's latest Game of the Year stuff. Um, that game, I it doesn't look like it's something that I would be really into just in, just because of how damn slow that game is uh yeah. but she's absolutely enjoying the hell out of it um which is super cool to see um she got incredibly into breath of the wild uh since that's pretty much why she got her switch essentially but uh she's been borrowing my ps4 and playing red dead and it's it's been really cool to see that game you can definitely tell there is i wouldn't say it is it looks fun to me but it definitely is like the most impressive video game i think i've ever seen Somebody described it, you know, for all I know, this could have been you, mm-hmm. but somebody described the game as, uh, oh, it was, uh, it was, um, if somebody at the Screen Heroes end of year Twitch broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember who was at the table, but they, they described Red Dead as always entertaining, not always fun. I could see that. Or yeah. Yeah. Cause like there's, 
there's always something pretty to look at mm-hmm. and um i would probably go with more engaging than entertaining personally well but, but i don't i don't even think it's engaging because really? you spend a lot of time just moseying from point a to that's, point b yeah that's fair and i i think the story and no, like how th- that's told i think it would be engaging. more always impressive not always that's fun. that's fair that's fair yeah uh it, it is easily one of the most technically impressive video games that i have absolutely ever seen um i think the controls straight up look god awful um just like kind of like cluing myself in as to like what does what and like just kind of watching her play it like she's also like yeah it's... kind of unfamiliar with the ps4 controller well boy this but isn't also, a good place to start right but also like just looking at that i'm so like man i would fuck this up like all the time like there has been times where she's just accidentally just shot a dude in the face dude that's yeah that's happened to everybody oh absolutely yeah, yeah. and and it's she sent me she sent me a text the first night she was playing it she just like i just punched my horse twice <laughs> like i'm sorry but i don't oh, man. i think everybody does that yeah punch. i think you punch it three times and it actually kick you really it's either three or four yeah that's hilarious uh, and you will die oh that, I, I would believe immediately that. Die. you would die in real life oh yeah uh, just don't punch horses i think yeah. that's a good good place to start but I, I i'm enjoying uh checking that out with her uh it's it's really cool to see her kind of take a really deep dive into that she's really into it so. you know what you can do what's that uh that i love second screen gaming mm-hmm. in any fashion form i the ex- example i always bring up is in uh mass effect uh one in the mass effect series if you were playing on the wii u you had a mini map it was three because three was the only one that came out okay on the wii u then you could play on the tv just like anybody but if if you looked at your screen uh in your hand you had a mini map and that oh, mini map cool. existed in the other games but you had to pause the game to see it mm-hmm. so that second screen gave you extra uh resources yeah and i know i know they have one i know they built one for red dead 2 i so they did. told her about that pretty I much the only she thing she downloaded it but she was pretty, pretty much the only thing the you need to know is there's a map on there mm-hmm. that you can use you don't have to pause your game that's great the drawback is it sucks battery life so much Ooh, because okay. it basically has to be on so basically you have to be wired and you have to be charging your phone but what you can do because uh, you still have to look you have to physically look down right mm-hmm. Well, uh, it would be a fun 1.5 player experience yeah. if she played and you were able to just be like, oh, take a left at this fork. That would be really cool. And stuff. Because you can see a bunch of stuff on your mini map mm-hmm. of like, if she's running away from somebody, um, you can look down and be like, oh, there are enemies to your back right. Yeah. You know, they're, oh, they're coming around the left. They're coming around the left. That would be really cool. Yeah. Because like that information is there for her to see, mm-hmm. but there's a lot going on. Like sometimes. There's a lot going on in that game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, especially even when like, you're on the move, like, mm-hmm. the point is it's supposed to be kind of frenetic, like, holy shit, there's a chase, like, right. you know, I mean, it's like a scene in a movie, like, yeah. the whole game the, is basically... The minimap also seems really cluttered with just a lot of... Just The stuff. symbols are too detailed for some of that stuff in there, specifically, like, your horse, like, I didn't know that was a horse until her horse ran up and it was moving, I'm like, what the... Uh-huh. It looks like a, like, just a shitty cowboy boot. Yeah, like, it, it, it's not clear. It doesn't, yeah. And like when when I'm in camp, I've had to pause my game and zoom in all the way mm-hmm. on my map to be like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Right. Yeah. Or like I picked up a I picked up a bucket of water and it's like, hey, do your chore, go mm-hmm. fill up the the bucket or whatever. And I'm like, uh, where? Like, what do I do? So I just wandered around the camp until I found something that would let me interact with it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this. I wish this was pointed out a little better. Um, but when I started using the second screen, it, it was a little better, but still, yeah. uh, what you can do is you can change your mini map to standard, which is what it's going to be on right now. Simple, 
which I think is just super zoomed in with fewer symbols. Hmm. I know there are fewer symbols for sure. I want to say that it's zoomed in more. Don't quote me on that. And the last one is compass. There's no mini map, just a compass. Um, So honestly, I've I've switched between all three of them. They all have their merits. Mm -hmm. Uh, Compass can be nice if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're really using the map on your phone. Uh, Otherwise, it can be difficult to find if you're in town. If you can't see that mini map, it's pretty hard. Right. Uh, But yeah, I I found I really like as much of the UI on the screen to just go away because I really like Mm. the immersive uh, picture of it when everything's gone. But it's also just easier to parse. You know, sometimes stuff will pop up in the top left corner. I think it's top left. The tips are just like, hey, I think here's, that's top left. Yeah, here's here's this thing, and like, yeah, you get tips during. I think you get tips during the uh, loading screen and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of those tips appear one time, and they're gone. And they might appear while you're busy doing something, and it can be very difficult to see them, uh, especially if you've got a lot of other UI stuff moving around. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, the more stuff I can take off of the UI, the more likely I am to notice these very important tips because. There are things I've had to look up that I was like, oh, it definitely told me this sometime in the game already, but I missed it. Yeah, there are things that I've actually, like, because I've, like, listened to people talk about this, like, be it on, like, Giant Bomb or, like, any other, like, big gaming podcast or something. And there have been things that I'm like, oh, I actually do know how to do this because the game doesn't really tell you very well. But, like, I know from listening to people say that the game doesn't tell you very well, which has been, like, kind of helpful. But it it seems incredibly impressive but and it's got like this incredible like level of polish but there's just a lot of like weird quality of life things that yeah. really kind of rub me the wrong way but I'm, I'm definitely interested to see like kind of how that story unfolds and like kind of like be like with her while she experiences that which i think will be really cool but mm-hmm. uh for now uh let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back and get some news yeah hey everyone this is greg from red shirts and runabouts we're the resident star trek podcast as part of the heroes podcast network group If you love Star Trek and things science fiction, we're definitely the show for you. Join us every Thursday as we talk about Star Trek Discovery, the new Picard show, and other ongoing content and new creations from the Star Trek universe. If you want to find us, search Red Shirts and Runabouts podcast on Apple and Google Play. And if you want to interact with us as a host, you can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. And we're back. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to go through some of the big news of the week. Uh, I think probably the most... Like the biggest, broadest one was that uh, EA is not going to be doing uh, their kind of press conference around E3 this year. Um, they typically do an event outside of E3 called EA Play, which has been going on for, I think, four years uh, as of this next one that's coming up. Should have been called E Play. Probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you just like take the space out, it can still just be pronounced E Play, but, you know, corporations. Um, yeah, they said, hey, we're going to bring the FanFest uh, Saturday, June 8th and Sunday, June 9th, where you can get hands-on with the games, games, the gains, I think it's swole, uh, but they're completely skipping the press conference and just replacing it with multiple live streams that are going to air during the first two days of the event, uh, which sounds like it's just going to be a lot of, like, if you guys have ever watched, like, an EA, quote, E3 press conference, then... You see, like, at the end of the stuff, they're always like, hey, we're going to have just a bunch of, like, social media influencers or, like, pro gamers, like, play this game. We're just going to live stream it. It's usually, like, a Battlefield or, like, they did that with Battlefront 2 and just, like, play a match or two and just, like, kind of have, like, some light commentary over it. 
Um, that stuff always does incredibly well for them numbers wise, uh, which is kind of interesting for me to kind of see because I'm I don't really kind of get involved with that kind of like YouTube Twitch influencer space as much. I really mm-hmm. kind of stick at least with my attention to like traditional games press and like trailers and like bigger stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I guess uh, just what's what's your kind of take on this? Uh, yes. All right, great. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't have any strong opinion on it. Yeah. Um. Uh, I just so E three is funny, right? E mm-hmm. three has changed over the years, where it used to be one thing and then it was another, and it's always really hard to figure out what the direction of that is. Uh, Nintendo dropped out a while ago, obviously, and well, uh, they're still there. They just don't have an actual like physical press conference. Yeah, because now they've totally switched over to the Nintendo Directs. Yeah, they're the only but ones they, who do they that. They still have a show presence that's really big, one of the biggest actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they obviously don't do the conferences right. anymore. So, uh, you know, when they jump ship, it was like, ooh, what's the future of E3? Mm. And I feel like those questions are asked every single year. Uh, you know, changes over the years. They, they've they been gone. Uh, was it was Sony there last year? Sony's been at every one. Okay, except so, for this next one So this one coming upcoming up. one, they're not going to be there. Yeah. And I think, and correct me if I'm messing up the details, mm-hmm. but I think last year they were light. No, no, last year's E3 was fine. And then their PlayStation... Uh, what's it called? Experience? So, PlayStation Experience so last year, they really just focused light. on the four games, which was... Uh, Forza, for... <laughs> no, PlayStation. Um, they focused on Last of Us 2, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and then Death Stranding, and I forgot what the fourth one was. Uh, which is tough. Yeah. You know what? Actually... But okay. they only focus on, like, four core games. There were a few side things that got announced, like Neo 2 and the Resident Evil remake. Or Resident Evil 2 remake, you rather. Know, but... Maybe this is my opinion on this mm-hmm. stuff. My least favorite thing mm-hmm. about E3, period, is No Man's Sky. And the No Man's Skies of E3. Mm-hmm. It's announcing a trailer. I love trailers. Like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if I'd still say this, actually. But for most of my life, leading up to now... I almost liked trailers more than I liked the games they were for. Mm-hmm. Like, because I would see cool trailers for games I knew I never wanted to play. I can definitely relate to that. But even like, even with games like Halo Four, I loved that trailer. Mm-hmm. The ha- or uh, Halo Reach rather, uh, not Four. Um, loved that trailer. Watched it just I mean, huge number of times. Um, and I loved the game too. But I still, every once in a while, I'll pop that trailer back on. I'm like, oh man, this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what kills me is now, like, I, I don't know how much this changed over the years when I was growing up, if I didn't know, you know, maybe I wasn't old enough to recognize it. My issue is announcing a game, showing a trailer, and the game doesn't come out, it doesn't even have a release date for, like, three more years. Mm-hmm. It's It was No Man's Sky then, uh, I mean, even with Dreams, it's like, that's less disappointing. Dreams has been, <laughs> it's been here, it's been... Well, I'm surprised it's still around, you know? Kind of same, I'm, I... I'm excited for that to come out, but man, I was expecting that to get canceled. But at least they haven't been teasing it every That's single true. year. That's like, true. They just, like, they talked about it at the PS4 reveal event and then just shut up until, like, two years ago. Yeah. Which I'm like, all right, great. you know, great. Like, sure. More awesome. of that. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody, be like Apex, if, if you can. That's that's mm-hmm. not realistic for a ton of studios. Right. But uh, release and announce at the same time, go. 
or like very immediately like uh bethesda did with fallout 4 i thought that was super smart they're just like hey we got fallout coming out super soon you know yeah so soon and i i just i love that turnaround it's less time for the internet hate machine Mm -hmm. to spin up something to be angry about you know whether it's rational or not Mm -hmm. but it's just like once people once there's blood in the water people are gonna tear that thing apart and the longer that that release date gets pushed back or we don't even hear about it mm-hmm. the mo- the higher the chance that something's going to go wrong uh now it's this days gone game that i really don't have any interest in it's the swarm zombies yeah yeah it comes out uh, april i think yeah it just seems like somebody cooked up that idea because they played the last of us and they were like oh we, i we was really one of kind of surprised that they had kind of both of those like they, i mean they've barely done a whole lot of big marketing push until very recently for days gone Mm -hmm. but i thought it was really interesting that they're just like hey here's days gone and then like later that year they're just like last of us 2 what's up i'm like okay like i understand like from because i'm a big fan of that first game i understand that they are totally going for like fundamentally different things but if you just look at like your average consumer they're just gonna be like okay cool zombie game Mm -hmm. and like it's it's just gonna be really kind of a hard sell because like obviously we don't have a release date for last of us 2 yet but i would not be surprised to see it maybe the end of this year or next year i think it's supposed to be the end of this year i don't think anything's been said on that yet i haven't looked in a while so i'm just gonna trust you i haven't seen anything and i yeah i will i love that game anyway uh, yeah that game's fantastic but it's just like this this one is now one of those mm -hmm. like the last of us the last of us was the last of us now this game is one of those Mm games and at least that's how I cynically see it. Maybe there are merits to this game. I haven't seen it. I haven't the, looked that close. The previews for it seem pretty positive. Okay. Which has kind of definitely put it back on my radar for sure. Um, I know a lot of people have said that the most fascinating thing about that game is the world itself. Because you're just like going around on a motorcycle in the Pacific Northwest, which is gorgeous. Yeah, I can handle that. Yeah. It uh, seems neat, but... Yeah, so I, I'm not necessarily like trying to, you know, poop on this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really don't like the marketing philosophy of revealing something it's that's like it's, uh, i saw a friend make a joke today about the fire festival it's basically <laughs> saying that you have a festival before you actually have a festival mm-hmm. like uh, uh, announcing it promoting it before you even have a location or a venue right mm-hmm. that's what this is it's a and again i'm not trying to harp so specifically on days gone but it's this philosophy of the No Man's Sky of, of Days Gone of showing and showing, even even Death Stranding. Like, I think it's cool, but show me, like, just give me the game. Like, I understand why this is happening. I'm not nearly as upset about Death Stranding because it's just supposed to be esoteric and stuff. Like, it's supposed to be like it's it, It's basically somebody who just gave essentially a blank check to Hideo Kojima and was just like, just go do what you want. And personally, I'm fucking here, here for it. Yeah, I really am. Cause like, I never I'm, jumped on. Just do whatever gear. you want, man. Like, this will be this is the first time I've ever been on the hype train for really for Kojima. Yeah, because I my friend I never owned the PlayStation until PS4. I will follow that man to the ends of the earth. Well, I really like watching all the goofy just after all these years, still hearing about some of the stuff that he's done and just been like, man. Yeah. So he's really not like anybody else, he's, huh? He's pretty fucking wild. Yeah. Um. So. I guess question for you. Uh, oh, so of, all, oh, all, all of that, all of that is to say, uh, honestly, I don't have, like, I love trailers mm-hmm. at E3 and like EA not having a conference is not such a big deal to me. Cause like for trailers and stuff, I like the way the game awards do it where you've got 
like of course the award show is its own event mm-hmm. and also lots of announcements and trailers so boom 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 it just shows you a thing and that's pretty much it maybe there's like 30 seconds of jeff Keeley being like hey you you made the game for the trailer we good, just saw good job for the game yeah you did it when's it come out oh it comes out in june you know or something like that mm-hmm. and that's enough like 30 seconds is enough uh the conferences at e3 have always been pretty cringy you have people who are not comfortable on a stage on a stage you have i feel few... like lately they've gotten quite a bit better they have but um, even look at uh bethesda's thing like todd howard is great on stage like mm-hmm. i like watching him pete hines too like yeah he, he's fucking great with a crowd for there, sure there are a lot of people you can tell who's comfortable on stage right and those people are fun to watch you know reggie uh just when reggie. they're yeah r.i.p i'm sad uh when they're on stage like they have a commanding presence but most importantly they're very comfortable in mm-hmm. that position when you get people who are devs who are you know they manage people or they're good at their work their work is not promoting their game on a stage mm-hmm. and so when you see two people do a skit it's like oh man you guys look like two high schoolers doing a drama skit and for like the first funnily time. enough i feel like the kind of worst offenders of this are ea yeah like i feel like they're always the ones with like like just some of the recent well not really not necessarily recent but some of the like memories that i go back to of like thinking of developers that like are definitely like a little nervous around crowds and don't really know what to do was like the peggle 2 reveal where that dude just like jumped up and like threw a tiny thing of confetti and it was just weird because he was like <laughs> fishing for applause but like it was just dead silent and these oh, lights were going so off. uncomfortable it was incredibly uncomfortable to watch i imagine it was way more uncomfortable for that dude um but it yeah i those are so rough and they keep doing them every year they're like this is gonna be the big right one. we're finally gonna see a payoff right and i i think this is probably a good move for them uh i think uh i mean clearly like the influencer stuff is absolutely working for them they're tapping into like streamers that people are definitely like hey like, it, it's it's a powerful tool if you have somebody that people follow and mm-hmm. they're just like hey come check it out i'm streaming the new battlefield game I'm streaming like this cool game at EA play. And then you just like hop onto their stream. It's essentially just like, that is an advertising thing for EA for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, I think like just people who are really interested in certain types of games or like certain type of types of influencers aren't going to really care about the rest of the conference. You know, like EA makes a whole lot of money off of the Sims, but people who play the Sims don't necessarily really care about, battlefield or battlefront you know mm-hmm. like it's or it's, for that matter even watching e3 maybe yeah and that's totally fair and that like might be where they do announcements but also i don't think they really do any sims announcements at e3 no so, yeah it seems think like they that stuff just comes out while. and honestly if you're they, playing the sims you probably know when an expansion comes out right of course they're gonna push that i mean ea is specifically very good at pushing their own uh, dlc and stuff uh but part of that too is like you know e3 used to be a part of the year where everybody tuned in, you know, mm-hmm. and and this was in an era where it was rare to have everybody tuning into anything at the same time or just to be tuned into anything at all mm-hmm. because, you know, there wasn't press, like there weren't a lot of shows. Like if you wanted to go to something like that, you went to a convention, you went to E3, you went to PAX or you went to a con. Um, G4 existed, but that was the only uh halfway professional um 
It's a good way to like, describe it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, media of any sort, journalism or anything else gaming related that you're going to find on TV. Mm-hmm. This was an era where, uh, you know, if you were like me, you were still coming up off of dial-up, you know. So, like, of course, I was young, too. But, uh, you know, people weren't just tuned in all the time. They weren't always, uh, act- like, activated. They weren't, they weren't, like they weren't always aroused all the time. Like, you know, arousal means a lot mm-hmm. of different things, but people weren't always just like, you know, I, this is, sounds funny to say out loud, but they weren't always turned on towards something right now. Gaming is always on always. Mm-hmm. Everybody's connected to the internet all the time for the most part. Uh, and like Twitch never stops, you know, uh, it, it like Twitch never goes down. The games never go down, which are always online. I mean, Apex, Fortnite, PUBG, mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are only a few examples, but those are online only games. There is no single player. Well, Fortnite is, uh, okay. I, I, I can't go into the weeds here, but, right. uh, they're always online and everybody's just engaged. There are always ways to engage. There are tons of outlets. Everybody has, you know, YouTube and just so many ways to consume this media that is, you know, by consuming it, you're also connected to people. So for example, when you watch a big streamer, it's not you just watching a video. You're live watching it with a ton of other people. You can see chat. You can see what the streamer is saying. Um, it's just everybody's engaged all the time. And it used to be that E3 was like the one time that people would engage and they'd all tune in and we'd all be on the same wavelength for a weekend, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't exist anymore. And that doesn't mean there's not space for E3 to be something. I mean, it's still around. Right. Uh, but, you know, now they you have... Uh, normies who can come in you don't just have to be press or mm-hmm. anywhere in the industry in an official capacity anybody can just show up but that raises the question even more it's like okay who really is this catered to is this a 50 50 thing um you know and it's kind of all over the place yeah you know? i think if e3 really needs to kind of if i think honestly if e3 is going to for lack of a better term like come out of this kind of like momentum shifting away from it like alive essentially mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really needs to just really spend some time on what are we trying to do here? Um, I think maybe it looks like something like Gamescom over in Germany, where like the first few days are press only, and then the rest of it is just like a fan festival. You know, I think that could be something cool that they could model towards. Or, I think that would be great. Yeah, because there I, are always so many leaks anyway. Yeah, and it seems like that's kind of what they're trying to do now in like a soft way, but like just like you hear like reports of press being just like, man, like. It was kind of tough to get around before, but it's mm-hmm. kind of even harder to get around now. Or even like people who go there who like there were like the first year that they opened up, I think, was whenever they had Wolfenstein 2 shown off. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, hey, you can play Wolfenstein 2. This person waited here for eight hours and didn't get to play anything but Wolfenstein 2. Like, yeah. Why would you pay money for that? Right. So I think if you kind of fashion that around something a little more kind of consumer focused and still kind of maintain that big press presence, I think that could work out because E3 has like that big name recognition like people Mm -hmm. in games like no e3 is like the time it's like it is essentially like black friday but for like games press yeah essentially Um, yeah i've always thought of e3 uh of course you know this is more difficult to define now but i had always thought of e3 as the press event mm -hmm. and pax the pax is as the gamer event yeah, like the player events. i've always i've always had that same thought too but things things are kind of changing like there's uh gearbox has said they're announcing something at pax east at the end of this month like cool that's super interesting might be borderlands 3 honestly who knows they've How been they kind of that cover up right 
that's a real question. Uh, but yeah, I think that stuff is kind of super fascinating to think about. I'm really interested to see, honestly, what the hell E3 looks like this year. Because, I mean, really, the best news we've gotten out of this is the fact that Devolver was just like, hey, we're doing a press conference. I'm like, fuck yeah, you are. <laughs> hell yeah. yeah. They, so what was it? It was right as, so EA said, we're not going to do one. And yeah. Devolver was like, like, hey, we're doing one. <laughs> just so you guys know. <laughs> Don't worry, we are. It's like, God, oh, I can't okay. wait. A um, couple of other things that happened this week. Uh, there's a big new uh, PS4 update, I think version 6.5, that uh, brought remote play to iOS devices, which is super cool, except I have an Android phone. Oh. Um, I haven't obviously spent any time like messing around with it, but from the reports that I've seen or like the screenshots that I've seen, it basically is just entirely touch-based. Apparently, you cannot hook up a controller to your phone's Bluetooth, which is a big fucking bummer. You cannot... So you so you can't like so you can't if, like go to the bathroom and hook up a controller and watch on your screen. Well, I mean, the TV. you you can probably because that's still just going through your PS4. But like, uh, there is a PS4 remote play app for Windows PCs, and you just plug in your DualShock Four via USB, or I think you can Bluetooth. I'm not sure, and you can just play it off of your computer. And I've done that; it works pretty well, depending on like the internet connections. But you can't tether your ps4 controller to your phone to play remote play that way which is kind of a bummer because that touch screen is all over the place but yeah i mean obviously you're i wouldn't like the only thing i've actually played on remote play extensively was like the final fantasy 10 remake which is completely turn-based and mm. doesn't really like your inputs don't matter as much you know you know um, i remember watching uh game of thrones on hbo go on my 360 mm-hmm. and you had the xbox smart class and I was so excited for the reasons I've outlined of second screen stuff, mm-hmm. where what it suggested that that was going to do is while you're watching the episode live, you can check your smart class and stuff will come up. Basically, like the stuff you'd watch, you'd rewatch to be like, oh, commentary or like, hey, you check out this concept art of this castle that just appeared on the screen mm-hmm. or something like that. And uh, I was excited about that because I was like, ooh, cool. I'll get to do this while we watch. And it's kind of just an extra little fluff that I'm into. That was not the case. I don't know why I thought that, but I was disappointed because that was not how that was going down. Uh, but I didn't even get that far because just using the smart glass to navigate the menus was really rough. Really? It was very rough. And so that could have been a number of reasons, whether it was my uh, internet, but I think it was just the the way it was all made. It just wasn't made to function very well. Uh, you know, kind of they pushed it out the door maybe before it was finished mm-hmm. cooking. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've kind of been sour, you know, it, that was a long time ago. That was, that was probably four years ago now and maybe even longer than that. And, uh, when I saw this update, all I can think of is, oh, so it's one, it's going to do that thing (laughs) where all I can do is like scroll through my menu and select a game. Right. But, uh, I, I'm still new to the PlayStation train, right? Mm PS4 is the only one I've ever owned. So I've never experienced like second screen stuff with the Vita Mm -hmm. or any of the other remote play that you can do. So I had a Vita, rest in peace. And uh, that one, I I remember like this big push that they made whenever the PS4 was coming out was they're just like, hey, every single game on the PS4 will fully support remote play on the Vita. And I'm like over here like, fuck yeah. Like I felt validated in the fact that I bought a Vita at launch for some reason. Uh, what, like one of the 10 people to do that. Yeah, I sure was. Um, <laughs> I played the shit out of Luminous, tell you what. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was this really cool thing. And like, I finally got like good enough internet at home to do it. And like, I would like, 
my roommates would want to like watch something on the Chromecast. So I would just like unplug the HDMI cable off my PS4 and then just like pull out my Vita and just play Persona 5 on it. And nice. I'm like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. Or I would do that with like a couple of other things. And it, it all worked super well. It worked way better than I thought it would. But then like I kind of put my Vita down and then I never like it, the novelty kind of wore off a little bit. Like it very much felt like a novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to see them do a little bit more with that. Uh, but well, I, Nintendo did. Right, right, totally. <laughs> they did, like, the kind of, like, they did the thing that I kind of hoped the Vita would be, you know? Mm. But I really, really enjoyed just the idea that I could just totally do that from anywhere. Like, as long as my PS4 was, like, still, like, in, like, low-power, like, rest mode or something mm. like that. I just pull up my Vita, find a decent internet connection, and just fucking play something, which was super yeah, cool. But, that's very cool. Uh, on the touchscreen, it's a little weird with the phones, you know? Um, there was a Sony... Uh, the Xperia Z3, according to this Engadget article I'm reading, uh, that had built in like PlayStation remote remote play functionality already. So like it was there. They're just now getting it over to iOS. Hopefully it comes to Android soon. I'd love to check it out. But like to be completely honest, I don't think I would ever do anything more than just be like, oh, this is cool. And then never open it. Again. Right. Maybe like, well, I mean, you don't really need to even like open it up and like queue up a download because you can just do that from the web store. You know, mm-hmm. like it. I... I understand that it is cool, and I know that some people use it. I just don't. It's I don't, I don't even know if I'd say it's that cool. Mm-hmm. Like I might. I just want them to make it easier to navigate the menus without having to wait so long. I've expressed my gripes with trying to invite people to parties, mm-hmm. and it just takes forever. If if you're playing with a random person in Apex, the the way you have to get there. I mean, I know Apex will f- fix it on their end to make it a little easier to just click into that stuff. When you're poking around on those menus at all, if you're like, all right, I want to invite this person. Okay, click invite. Okay, search their name. Hit the invite button. You know, you do that. Go back to your party screen. Make sure your audio is right. Or maybe you have to invite a second person. It's it's not that much work. It's just that every click takes an amount of time. Right. And when you're sitting there, your game just started. And you're, you know, in Apex, you're hoping you're not the jump master because your team's going to be waiting on you. Um, but it just takes so long, and it seems like the PlayStation's been out for long enough. I, I just want I want that to be fixed, but probably that ship has sailed. Yeah. Like, that's not getting any faster. We're just going to have to wait till they're, the... They're, they're definitely focused on things in the future, especially considering, like, hey, we're not going to be E3 to this year, because we just don't have anything. Yeah. Like, we just, we just don't have anything to show. Sorry. Um, yeah, so that's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... You know, maybe get away from those conferences, maybe... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Think about the future. So uh, tell me about this uh, 2K League story that you found, the NBA 2K League story. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I'll try to keep both of these brief. They're about the same thing. So uh, basically the two articles I'm looking at, uh, there's one about a jersey, and there's one about uh, a uh, the NBA 2K League, which is the official league of the in, or of 2K, NBA 2K, like the, the official by the actual organization. Yeah, like the official league. Honestly, I had to reread it because, like, when I see it with the official name like that, it almost seems like a naked, like, so a bare name. So this is by NBA? Yeah. Or, so oh, okay. So this is, like, official, the, official. Okay, right. So that's cool. why I had to double check okay, it. Because yeah, I'm like, that makes sense. it says NBA 2K League. Mm-hmm. Is that the whole name? Right. And it is. Because cool. it's actually the NBA's okay. that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, right. so it's funny. It's like, oh, so this is the actual licensed deal. Uh, this first story i have is uh chiquita evans she is the first woman to be drafted in the nba 2k league the official mm-hmm. nba 2k league um it's so she was signed by the warriors 
which is the LA team, I believe. Let's see. Uh, Operated by the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Golden State Warriors. So, okay. uh, LA, I think, is the Lakers. Yep, that sounds right. And I know nothing about basketball, but you're right. Uh, So the Golden State Warriors, their esports team is Warriors Gaming. So sorry that I'm such a a noob when it comes to Hmm. any uh, basketball knowledge. But uh, she was signed uh, to be one of their professional esports players to be on their team. She is the first woman in the entire league, which is, you know, cool. Uh, So reading through this and a lot of this article, so I'm looking at the ESPN article uh, Mm -hmm. that's titled Warriors Draft First Woman in NBA 2K League. I suggest you go read this. It's a good read. It's nice and short. Um, This just basically outlines her unique struggles as a woman getting into you know, being the first woman in this whole league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sports games are, I mean, sports can be, like traditional sports, NFL, basketball, and stuff, can be mostly male-dominated in its fan base. But as more and more time goes by, it diversifies. There are way more, in my opinion, this is totally uh, anecdotal. Mm-hmm. It seems like there are way more women every year uh, who are into sports. Like, not because their husbands are, but because they are. Yeah. Um, and that's great. But when you look at the players, that doesn't change the way that the fans play. Um, and of course, like some some sports just are not co-ed. You don't see female football players in the NFL, period. And, you know, I don't see that changing anytime soon. If I'm wrong about that, then I would love to be wrong about that. But uh, when you're looking at esports, you know, the, the biggest argument against women competing in co-ed leagues in like NFL uh, and the NBA and stuff mm-hmm. is something, even the military, it's about it comes down to like physical traits and yada, yada. Uh, well, none of that exists in esports. So it only comes down to your skill. Like, do you got game? You got it or you don't. Right. Right. So uh, it's a great opportunity for equality. I mean, it's merit-based. It's 100% merit-based. Um, the problem is it's not. So the issue, is, you see this all over gaming, but um, she struggles with unique uh comments and backlash you mm-hmm. know when she had announced that she made it onto the team the internet hate machine of course it just turned something up and, and just made it awful right um but it's uh she she outlines just struggles of you know, this is the same stuff we've seen in overwatch i i talked i think i talked about this a while ago i know i shared an article about it um basically when a lot of people find out that there's a woman on their team they give up they're mm-hmm. like oh well all right, not yeah. gonna. We're not doing this. Like this is this is over. I mean, it's happened in ranked games that I've been in in Overwatch where somebody just like put their controller down. Like they just left the game because we had a woman on our team. It's like this is like w- what decade do you live in? Right. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. You know, and like she's playing and you left. Like, what does that say about mm-hmm. you? You know. Uh. So anyway, she outlines all these struggles. Um. But what what they did? Uh. So one of the people, one of the higher ups. Uh. Let's see. The commissioner talks about wanting more diversity, uh, but this goes on. Some of the people higher up in the league were talking about uh, how they, basically the interview process for getting people for to try out, you mm-hmm. know, when they're trying to figure out who they actually want on the team, right? It was that um, they were finding that when women played, they were past the ball. So in the game, when they were on a team with somebody, they were past the ball significantly less often than their male counterparts. Hmm. So they it, they realized that it was more useful not to look at overall stats, but to look at stats when they had the ball. So don't look at how many shots you scored. Look at how many, like how many shots you scored when you had the ball. Like 
against how many uh, shots you took, right? So I'm stumbling all over my words here, but basically, if nobody passes you the ball, you can't shoot, right? Right, absolutely. And and there's nothing you can do about that. So they honed in on the individual skill rather than stuff that was out of their control. So when they did that, they were actually able to figure out which players were the best. So Shakita Evans was one of those players. Um, so she she goes on. She has a bunch to say. Really, you guys should go read this article. But something that is remarkable. So one of the other contenders on here. Uh, here's the quote he said. Like this, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this, and then I'm just gonna be done with this mm-hmm. article because like this says all you need to know. Mm-hmm. So this guy uh, who was in he was another draft eligible player like she was. He says she has a high basketball IQ for a girl. Uh, he said, most people would would be like, I'm playing with a girl. She doesn't uh, know, or she's not going to know what to do, but she knows what she's doing. You can tell. And it's like, okay, I see you are trying to say that she's knowledgeable. Right. You don't have to say knowledgeable for a girl. Totally. Either I, you're knowledgeable or you aren't. It's one of those like little like backhanded compliments. They're just like, oh, well, I mean, she's fine, you know, for a girl. Like that's right. fucking stupid. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. And like somebody else in... Like, I just kind of skimmed this article briefly. Somebody else uh, who, I guess, plays for the 76ers gaming says, male, female, dog, cat, frog, I don't care. If you're the best in the world, I feel like you should be able to, you should be, you should, excuse me. If you're the best in the world, I feel like you deserve to be able to play. Yep. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. End of that. Hell yeah. (laughs) I think that's cool. I think that's really cool that she is kind of given this opportunity and obviously like representation never hurts for anything you know no it it yeah it, it's it's representation is good because uh basically you know in so many ways women are men's equals mm-hmm. and that is self-evident but uh just like when they were picking for players there are things that are not under your control and what you have to do is is base people on their merit right what can they do with what they've been given not based on you know what they're missing out on absolutely uh and like basically my my uh, and i'll try to get off my high horse here but uh when it comes to like supporting women and promoting women in your lives or you know like talking heads you know um it's one thing to say women are just as good as men but it's it's another step not just to say it but to show women are as good as men and I can show you like right. promote like, totally. like this woman, you can point to her and say, she's just as good as yeah. everybody else. She will beat the fuck out of you in NBA 2K. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot different than just being like, yeah, they can, they can do it and be like, no, she's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I like that. So I, I'm excited to see more of that. I'm actually excited to see fewer headlines about, uh, first woman and whatever, because I just want that to be a normal just, thing. Just that should just be the standard. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's an interesting thing. Um, you know, as esports grows, we're going to continue to have a lot of firsts. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell you what, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, take a quick break here real quick, come back and, uh, just kind of wrap up the show with a question. Cool. Attention everyone in the galaxy. This is Ian and Chris from echo station podcast. We are stranded here on Hoth and we need your help desperately. It's imperative that everyone listen to our message. The Empire is closing in with every intention to shut us and our message down. Make sure to follow us at Echo Station Cast on the Twitter sphere and listen to us every other Monday for all your up-to-date Star Wars news and needs. You can't stop the signal, Mal. Wrong smuggler! Uh, uh, uh. Cut! Hey, welcome back. 
so to kind of close off the show this week, uh, we got a question submitted to us from a former host of the show, uh, Derek. Uh, he says, what was your entry into gaming? Uh, what was your first console and or game you ever owned? Um, I'll go ahead and start since you're wiping your eyes from something. I'm dying. Okay, great. Uh, please don't die. Uh, that would be bad. Uh, so my entry into gaming, uh, I mine was actually the original PlayStation. Um, I think I got it for Christmas when I was five. I'm not going to do the math and see if the years line up, but that sounds about right to me. One of those years. And I, the first games I ever got were a like a ps1 remake of frogger in 3d mm-hmm. which i played an absolute just buttload of. why did you play that on uh ps1 okay i played that on my friend's computer we played a frogger thought it was amazing pretty bad did it have like just a like the cover was like frogger in like green and like red text like a red outline surrounding it and he was like sitting looking like you know a frog just in front of like a semi truck or something Man, that's definitely, like, little kid memory you have. Okay. I have no I, idea. I have I, a weirdly vivid memory for shit like this. Uh, well, no, I mean, I do too for certain things, mm-hmm. but only my certain things. Okay, great. So that was, that's, like, one of your certain things. Fair. Uh, I never saw the cover art. Well, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just remember that it was, like, semi-3D. So it's it's it was totally 3D, but it was still, like, top-down and very mm-hmm. grid-based, you know? Um, yeah. But, like, the stages were kind of neat, and there were, like, little secrets and stuff you could find. Um, I played just an absolute ton of it. I never was good at it. I'm pretty sure if I go back to that, that game is probably fine now. But like, mm-hmm. I was not good at video games. That was my first console I ever owned. But uh, my parents also got me a bowling game called Ten Pin Alley. I don't think it was ever like a licensed bowling game. Yeah, it was fine. Looking back, I'm like, oh, this sucks. But like, I could absolutely <laughs> tell that like my parents got that for me in huge quotes. Cause they just like literally like two nights later, I remember them like bringing all their friends over to play bowling on their new PlayStation in the living room. I'm like, Oh, you bought this for you. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. That's fine. Uh, but those, those were like that's super, fun. super formative ones for me. Uh, so like, yeah, I, I had this like weird attachment to Frogger growing up, but like, obviously I've never played the original. And I remember my parents took me to an arcade in Pittsburgh, Kansas, where I'm from and she was like oh my mom's like oh here's look it's 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 frogger you should you should play this and i played it and it was the original frogger i'm like this sucks <laughs> this is bad why would you have me play this and right i'm like, I, I was kind of a what bad, is, but yeah uh well but look, it's funny how this stuff goes because like it, it's it's hard to go back mm-hmm. with stuff right and and when you're a kid and you have no sense of the direction of gaming like all you know is graphics good yeah like, or this, i this or I, I have this thing and it's fun and bright and colorful mm-hmm. you know um and when you go back like as a kid you're just like i don't have time for this right i got important kid stuff to do right but even like back then like that single game of frogger like nowadays like being like an adult like having that i'd be like oh this is fun for like 20 minutes but that lasted me like i remember playing that game for years and then they made a sequel to it and then i played a sequel to a frogger remake and i was into it mm-hmm it was weird. You fought a crocodile in space. What the fuck? In Frogger? Fro- Frogger got fucking wild, dude. That's, man. You, Frogger that's went off level. the fucking rails. Okay. Well, that's what you get when you put years into it. I, Apparently. I got maybe like the third level. I don't even remember what was in there. <laughs> I think they gave like Frogger a girlfriend or something in that one too. So it was like a pink frog that you could play or whatever. It, it anyway. Out. Yeah. Uh, you know, PlayStation games, but those, those were kind of my big, those were the first two that I remember, uh, being like my first games. Um, 
I think first games that I remember actually playing were uh, somebody let me just like, here, I have this thing called a Game Boy. Here's this thing called Pokemon. And that sent me on a deep spiral that I have yet to recover from. Uh, I, I remember, obviously not my first console, but like my first handheld was the Game Boy Color and Pokemon Silver. And I, it was like my birthday party and I got that so I could play with my friends. And we all were just like sitting in my parents' backyard, just not talking to each other. We were just <laughs> playing like Pokemon. It was fucking Dude, those awesome. are some good times. They were really, really good times. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so what about you? What you got? Uh, so my very first game, so my first two games were, uh, Link's Awakening mm-hmm. for the Game Boy Thick. Game Boy? The Game Boy uh, the OG Game Boy, and uh, yeah, that's the first game I, I ever start to finished. Um, I, I talked about that recently mm-hmm. here on the podcast. You know, it's really good, but I, I wish they would just remake it, you know, so you could enjoy it all again. Hey, Thomas. What's up? I have some news for you. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about it on it. We'll talk about it off air. It's fine. Okay, probably unrelated. Yeah, it's not. It's not related. Uh, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so I am looking forward to the uh, remake, for real, because mm-hmm. uh, Link's Awakening was a great and unusual game there were a lot of things that that game did that other zelda games of course that was my first one so that started my frame reference but that does ones that none of the other games do or, or certainly not the same way uh really unusual for a lot of the reasons i don't need to go back into because i really did just talk about this right uh but that was my my very first game ever and uh there was that and there was uh on the nes we had the original mario brothers game and similar story to kind of what you said uh I have a fond memory of being had the whole extended families around for like Thanksgiving or something, and everybody's playing this Mario Brothers game. And as far as I remember, nobody had beaten it. We were pretty much all playing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at at least as good as all the adults, and I was like five, you know. And it felt so empowering to be like, oh yeah, like Hell I'm gonna beat yeah. this, you know. Uh, like they would run through the castle and and die a couple times, and I'd see what they did, <laughs> you know. And that's kind of how you hone your game skills. Of course, it's easier when you start as a kid, but you see somebody else mess up, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna learn from right. your maybe, mistake. Maybe maybe don't touch the big <laughs> right. Oh yeah, it's like you know you see that thing that's spinning with fire. It's gonna keep spinning. Maybe, maybe don't, don't stand there. Maybe oh, you don't touch there. the fire. <laughs> you know, lava bat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it felt empowering to like watch somebody else make a mistake and then to go through avoid that mistake and go win the level you know yeah fuck as em. such a little kid it was just like heck yeah like <laughs> i am awesome um so yeah so i've got those two and then the other one i was just looking this up i i don't know i don't think i've ever been able to remember the name of this game mm-hmm. but when we would go visit my grandparents they had a windows i assume 95 old mm-hmm. and they had the basic games, you know, Solitaire. I'm not even sure if they had Chip's Challenge, which is... Oh, Chip's Challenge fucking rules. That was a sweet game, I love dude. that game. God uh, damn. We, yeah, me and my siblings, we beat that game through and Hell through. yeah. That was a fun game. It's a good-ass game. Uh, you know, that was my introduction to, like, get the blue key mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, that you see now in, in all over, like, retro game, you know, like in a Futurama episode. Of, right. It's all gaming stuff. But uh, it was like a trope, I guess, is the word for that. Uh, Microman. Microman was a game I only ever played at my grandpa's place. It is this. I can show you. This is an audio podcast. Uh, It's a very simple platformer game uh, Mm. where I think, if I remember correctly, I think you can get like different laser-ish weapons. Um, 
I played it a million times. I don't know what it was about. I don't know how far I ever got. I remember just playing the same the same little bit over every time, but mm-hmm. I still just had so much fun with it. But uh, looking at that YouTube thing, it looks like a speedrun took all of 10 minutes. <laughs> of course, speedruns can be wacko, but right. uh, I might actually go back and watch one of those original ones to see what that game looks like. So the description here, you are Microman stuck inside a computer. You must run, jump, and shoot your way out. Along the way are cannons, enemies, ladders, invisible bricks, power-ups, and more. You gain the ability to get heat-seeking bullets to jump higher, to fire three shots at once, and more. I remember that. Yeah, that's uh, it's a cool game. I'm not gonna lie to you. This just looks like like a bootleg Mario. It Mega straight Man up looks thing. like a bootleg. Okay, great. The game, the great. whole game looks like a bootleg. Uh, <laughs> when I was googling that, You're I guess wrong. I didn't realize that Microman was a Jap- uh, Japanese series in the late-ish 80s. Really? Yep. Just discovered that five seconds ago. Huh. Uh, so yeah, so that's a funny thing. So I, I just, it, it's funny that forever lives in my memory because I didn't have any other way to play it. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's a port, you know, that I can play a Windows 95 game that I couldn't remember the name of, no less, mm-hmm. uh, any other way. But um, yeah, so I, those, those I would say are three of the games I remember the most as a kid. There are other ones. I mean, I could say my friend had a Sega Genesis, so we played mm-hmm. Aladdin and The Lion King and sonic and stuff uh but especially those first two that's like my jam so kind of expanding on that to just kind of go into a couple more things here real quick before we wrap up what would you say if you had to pick i'm gonna say three games that you felt growing up and playing them were like super formative like games for you like the developed like either oh, like the person all three of are. them are microman for okay sure. great yeah. well uh, i only saw two on that list so <gasps> yeah all right but yeah just like anything that you felt like really kind of helped shape you into like what you like to play or even like to some extent like the type of person you are today you know uh i can give you all three of them right now okay link's awakening okay uh because of puzzles and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh and the ending of that game is like well, I guess I won't spoil it because maybe people replay it and they don't know how it ends. But the way that that game ends was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is what it feels like to be an adult. <laughs> I just, I basically loved games when it when I felt like I was treated like an adult because right. as an itty bitty kid, it didn't happen all the time. Uh, anyway, Link's Awakening was great. Uh, Halo, Halo shaped me so much. The same friend who had the Sega Genesis, right? Uh, his name was Adam. Uh, Adam had a Genesis. He he got an Xbox. I remember him knocking on my door and saying, hey, I got an Xbox. And I was like, what was that? Or like, what's an Xbox? What's, what's an Xbox? You know, didn't even know what it was. And uh, I remember playing Halo thinking it was beautiful. I loved how big the worlds were. Like, I never felt like I was walking down a hallway, you know, which a lot of games do. Even like Halo 2 did it. It really narrowed down where you're going, um, which a lot of people liked. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people liked and didn't, didn't like. People had strong opinions on it. Uh, but I loved in Halo 1 where there were extra places you could go to just look around. Like you, I really felt like I was exploring a whole fictional world, and I'd never seen a world that big before. Even in uh, Ocarina of Time, uh, you know, Hyrule Field is huge, but there are limits to it. Mm-hmm. And and really, that's what I now think of as more of an uh, uh, like an overworld kind of area, right, not an open right. world, because mm-hmm. basically you're just using the field to get to it where you want to go. essentially is just a hub. Yeah, much. like you go there and then you go to the place mm-hmm. where you want to go. Whereas like in an open world in Skyrim, everything is in the world. Like you're not taking, you know, you don't take a portal 
you know, our loading screen from like one side of Skyrim to the other. It's all just one big area, right? Right. So um, I, I felt like I was exploring a whole open world, basically. And there were little areas where you could find little clever hidden things and stuff. Uh, I love the shooting. I love the soundtrack. Um, Link's Awakening, I love the soundtrack as well, like for sure. Mm-hmm. But the Halo soundtrack was the first one that was like, oh, I think I love video game soundtracks now. And uh, that's one that I still, I mean, last year, that was still on my top five most played really? Spotify. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I still very regularly Halo, listen. Halo's got some good ass music. It does, man. It's fucking good. Uh, so that one's really great. Um, boy, I could really, I could really talk a lot about Halo, but the <laughs> other one, uh, I don't know how often I've actually said this out loud, but I think my other one would be Sonic and Tails with my buddy. Really? I always played Tails and you know, which, sorry. Oh dude, I wanted to <laughs> because I could get us up to places that he couldn't. Right. Mm. So I loved, it was just like, Oh, there might be a platform up here. Hop on. Mm. So he'd hop on and I was in control and I got it to some far out, out of reach place. And I love that stuff. And that might be what led me to love like supporting in all these games now. Cause yeah, like, that's fair. Uh, I'm always thinking of, of not just like, I mean, even think of an apex, like I have my favorite weapons, but I kind of form my favorite weapons based on what my teammate uses. Like if I'm in, in apex, if you energy, energy ammo is rare to find rarish, right? So if both of you have an energy gun that you're fighting for ammo for all the time, you're going to have a rough time, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I, I would, see what they've got and then i would find a way to supplement that and that kind of mentality that's what i did in overwatch that i like so much i just love that aspect of multiplayer whether it's co-op or uh, competitive just the idea of like one plus one equals three you know the sum is greater than its parts um i, I did that a little bit in halo but for sure sonic and tails yeah. like led me down that path for sure. that's cool that's super cool um Having a little bit of trouble coming up with my list. I, I have two of them. <laughs> well, I talked long enough. You should have at least six lined up. <laughs> so I have two of them. Uh, and hopefully I'll come up with a third. Uh, but first one is... I'm going to go with Golden Sun on the Game Boy Advance. Um, if you're not familiar, which unfortunately not a lot of people are. I'm not. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, Golden Sun is an RPG. Uh, just turn-based typical like random encounters ass rpg <clears throat> on the game boy advance but that game is one of the most gorgeous game boy advance games i've ever seen the yeah. soundtrack is fucking awesome it's got this like cool isometric turn-based battle system or like turn-based battle like camera so you like see your characters all the moves are super flashy the enemies look great and animate really well um that game i think was the first time i dove incredibly deep into a like a quote jrpg like it's it's very that kind of game like go here get the thing save the day kind of a thing it's the Mm -hmm. story's not really too much to write home about the world's very cool though i like a lot of the mechanics uh all the characters are honestly super great even though there's like not a single word spoken because it's on the fucking game boy advance you mean physically spoken you read text and stuff right totally and it's got like little like noise that Mm -hmm. like a lot of those games do um it's just Be- kind of a, beautiful. Yeah, it's just thank you, thank you. Um, it's got like this really cool like method of exploration where you like wander around and like you can solve puzzles using skills that your characters get from like leveling up or like finding like key items to get new like quote psychic abilities or something like that. Um, so like if you see this log just sitting here uh, and it's like blocking your path, then 
maybe you like realize you can't get through here so you like go and find another path to like and find this cave where you find this tablet where you learn this spell to where you can like pick up and move the log it's kind of like hms and pokemon totally it's it's very similar to that and i kind of wanted to give this spot for this type of thing to pokemon but this was really kind of where i realized that i was really into this type of game and not just fucking obsessed with pokemon yeah because um, i mean I, I could go down that path because i had really fond memories of playing blue version mm-hmm. uh and and running through that and then also playing gold and silver with my brother uh but i i've realized especially i've gotten older like there are things i do like about that game but as time goes by the like level well i just don't love it like i thought i did when i was a kid mm-hmm. so as an adult when i look back like i played a ton of pokemon those first two and i really enjoyed it but even if I put five, you know, five games on this list, I still don't think Pokemon would make it, even though I spent hours same, and hours Same here, and, hours. and, like, I genuinely am absolutely in love with everything Pokemon, but for sure, like, this, this, uh, these games were super important to me, these games being the Golden Sun series, uh, were super important to me because that was kind of just where I clicked, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm into this kind of mechanics, I'm into this whole thing, and then I really want to, like, after I finished that, I, like, actively sought out more. Like, I picked up a lot of stuff on the PS2, and then just went down those rabbit holes, and here I am today. Um, Man, JRPGs have such a way of, like, w- once they get your teeth, yeah. their teeth into you, the Once you get your you, in, teeth into just one of them. Yeah. It's... Well, if it, if it hits all, if it does it just the right way, it's just like, oh, I need more of this. Totally. Because, like, I've, I haven't been that into, I'm not really not that big a fan of JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, recently I've gotten into more tactics-y games mm-hmm. like Darkest Dungeon. Um, and I need to sometime boot up uh, XCOM. But those games, like, for me, I'd never been into anything turn-based, period. Mm-hmm. Like, full stop. Uh, but I started to warm up to him. And now, now that I've like gotten into that grind, I'm like, oh man, like when, uh, Darkest Dungeon is one of those games that I get the Tetris effect mm-hmm. where, you know, I'll have a dream about it. Like when, when I'm trying to wind my brain down, I'll find myself going through scenarios in the game and, and JRPGs, tactics, turn-based games. A lot of those, once, once you get the rhythm of it, it's hard to get out of it. Totally. totally totally so man they're gripping that made me think of my third one thank you all right uh so second one for me is the ratchet and clank series the good call yeah um i absolutely adore these games uh they're my favorite game series ratchet and clank 3 is actually my favorite game period um i know it's not the best one (laughs) but it's my favorite I think I've maybe put like just over the years close to a thousand hours in that game. And it's like in that not one game. Yes. And it's not even like super replayable. It's the same game over and over, but I fucking oh, love really it. It's really satisfying. It's so satisfying. And like those, just those games do a really cool job of the story is like kind of serious, but it's got a lot of like good jokes in it. But the world around it is like, it's, it's good enough. You know, I like the characters fine, but I love the weapons and the creativity. And those mm-hmm. games taught me that it's okay to enjoy shit that's just fucking stupid like (laughs) those games are stupid you literally have a gun in the first one and i think it's yeah in the first one you have a gun that just turns enemies into chickens and you hit them with your wrench and they just explode into feathers that's it it's awesome there's one that literally you just like suck them up and then just shoot them out as ammo that's cool Um, that is cool there's one in the third one that just shoots fucking black holes that sucks a whole bunch of enemies into it and then electrocutes nearby ones it's which one did I... I? I played one for PS2 mm-hmm. at my buddy's place, and uh, 
I don't know. They all have goofy, goofy names yes. up your arsenal. Yeah, yeah. That's stuff. that's that's the third one that I just adore. That is that one. Yes. Uh, whichever one you had, it had like the lava gun. I don't think it was that chicken. Was two. I think it was like you had like the sheepinator. It was a sheepinator and two. Yeah. So I remember playing that game. That was okay. Well, first of all, that was very fun. They're so much fun. Uh, Those so games much are fun. so much fun. Those games are. They're never anything. They don't try to be more serious or like deep than they need to be. Sometimes you just want to just fuck around on cool planets with a robot backpack and just like light people up with this ridiculous gun that shoots fifteen rockets for some fucking reason. <laughs> right. Uh, that oh, they're so good. good. That's oh, I love these. That's games. the first game I had ever seen ever that the idea was like, oh, how do you level up your gun? Well, you just use it. So it's yeah, like totally. I, I want love this. That. This crappy gun seems like you know. I remember the lava gun. Mm-hmm. It was, he, my friend never used it. So I was like, this thing's not very good. Like, why is everything else so good? He's like, oh, you just, you just use the weapon and it gets better. I was like, oh, so I just, so I can just level this up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started using only that. And of course he had never seen it before. So it was entertaining for him to watch as well. But I got that thing leveled up and I was like, oh, this thing's sweet. Yeah. And that was actually something that they only introduced in the second game. And I played the second game first. I didn't actually play the first one first. And it made it kind of hard to go back to. But I mean, I was young. So I was like, hey, it's a game. I'll play it. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. Time, I, I, time is forever. <laughs> I, I really absolutely adore those games. And then kind of running out of time here. So uh, I'll get to my third one quickly. Uh, Guitar yeah, Hero. On. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. Is it uh, only because you look like Dave Gruel or what? I mean, no, but thank you. Uh, uh, no, so Guitar Hero was super formative for me because I think that was the first game that had any sort of like social appeal or like had like people were very into it much like Fortnite or apex is kind of now mm-hmm. and like as weird as it sounds like being good at it was just kind of this like cool like social you status. felt like a goddamn exactly. rock star absolutely dude. um i know i was just sitting there in my room just fucking playing this plastic guitar my dad absolutely hated if i would like turn the volume down but all he heard was just the clicks of the guitar <laughs> He's just like, I would rather hear the music while I'm trying to sleep. And I'm like, that's that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But I, I got way too into that game. It was like, honestly, kind of my identity for a while. And like, there were points where people would come up to me and be like, my entire existence is just, I need to beat you once. And I'm like, I'm taking a break from this game. <laughs> but I, I that's still... Like, that's like some... Uh, um... Oh my gosh, that's like some Scott Pilgrim shit. Totally, it's it's exactly like that. But I I spent so much time playing it, and I loved it. It's honestly impacted not just games, but a lot of the music that I listen to. Like, I've been introduced to a lot of bands uh, that I definitely would not have otherwise. Um, and I've, like, kept up yeah, with, like, the I, rock I think band I would games, say too. I, I really got into Guitar Hero in the second one. Mm-hmm. I played some of the first one, but I actually owned the second, the second one's one. real good. It's the second good. one's real good. And uh, most of the songs on there... I had heard of in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of them I didn't appreciate as much until after I played the game, especially like the, a lot of the more popular ones, like Rolling Stones songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not a very big Rolling Stones fan. That's okay. Uh, I accept you. Yeah, my mom absolutely loves them, just mm-hmm. not me. Yeah, they're fine. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there was stuff I, I really did like, of course, Bulls, Bulls on Parade and like mm-hmm. yeah. Barracuda by heart and stuff. And tons of stuff like that. And then it'd be some of the longer, well, whatever. I don't have to get into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. But uh, it did make me appreciate the songs that I previously had no appreciation for. Where I was like, oh, this is a song that other people like. I don't really get it, but I don't have to. But And I still kind of feel that way about a lot of music. I don't have to get it. I, You know, if I don't like it, I don't have to tell you. Right. And you don't have to tell me. Mm-hmm. 
but I finally understood why people like that stuff. Um, it's like I recently got into jam bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, maybe like two, two, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a genre that I was like, oh, I'm for sure never going to like this. I've given it a shot a few times, never going to like this. And then one day I woke up and I was like, okay, I like this now. And uh, I don't know what happened, but it felt good to have that appreciation, at least an understanding of what people took out of it, like why they love that stuff. And whether it's, you know, through the fire and flames by Dragon Force Mm -hmm. or Buckethead, you know, Jordan, um, or some of the, just the more, you know, fucking, uh, fog hats you know yeah uh that stuff it's just fun to see the gamut of like here's rock and roll baby like here's all of this stuff and the novelty of like you are the quote person Mm -hmm. like actually playing the song it kind of never worn off like it still hasn't like i have rock band four and i just fucking fired up occasionally every time you use your star power you're just like it's like yeah yeah yeah, fuck yeah uh it's feels good it's just so good and i Really wish that those games were not dead and buried, but here we are. So. Well, you can't really bury them. They're but plastic. They're never going to decompose. That That's true. Lots of problems. Um, anyway, that's probably the end of the show. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, uh, we're going to have to play some Rock Band sometime. Yeah, I, I do have it. So we'll uh, hit, hit your boy up. More than I uh, have, have, have fake guitar will travel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should show up to that and be like... Yeah, it's What's the real up? deal. Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna get like this ridiculous guitar case and just like open it up and it's like this is a shitty like plastic rock band guitar. I, I went. Uh, we had a basically a talent show um, in mm-hmm. high school, and I'm oversimplifying this, but everybody had to show off a, uh, a, a an ability, like some sort of skill they had, mm-hmm. and I made I I so I was a gamer, right? So I had not one but two Guitar Hero axes right i had that i had a bunch of stuff i don't remember and then i had like a soda hat you know a hat that has i mean i did all the stuff but dude man that was a sight to behold oh i tell you what so anyway i'm gonna find a picture of that and i'm gonna put your face on it oh great awesome if uh, you send me that soon that can be the image for this episode (laughs) i'll have to do some digging okay great all right well uh this has been gamer heroes podcast thanks everyone for hanging out uh (laughs) sorry about whatever the hell just happened yeah all of it uh you can check us out at gamer heroes pod on twitter uh we are uh ggkc is also at gg underscore kansas underscore city right Mm -hmm. sure something like that um, you can follow the network. Uh, is it just at Heroes Podcasts? Yes. Okay, great. Um, you can follow me if you want to for some reason. Um, I'm at the Camdy Man. I don't know if you want to plug your Twitter. You're welcome to. Oh, I never use my Twitter, but uh, you should find a way to our Facebook group. We yes, have, we have absolutely. a Facebook page, but the Facebook group is where the fun is. It's called Looking for Geeks. Yes, it is. Uh, GGKC is in there as like a parentheses, so check that out. Yep, so. you can find that on our website. Yep. Uh, which is GG Cash GG Wow GG Cash Money Oh boy GG-KC.com That's what I said Uh yeah that's it Alright Thanks See you later <laughs> Bye Game on <laughs>